now we're live. I, I go. I got it here. Hey, can we give a quick shout out to Bufa Goods? Um, if you're not aware, now you know. Alan, right over here, is, is starting. We're his trial customers. I guess we're your very first customers. So when you make it big on Shark Tank or something, um, you, you, we can all say, "Hey, we were the first ones." Uh, Alan is um, getting in the name tag business, amongst other things, and so he he has gra- graced us with name tags. Aren't these cool? Even our woodworker Ben himself is like, what, "What what what term did you use?" You said, "You're all shoot." Is that, huh? He said, is that CNC machine? And I'm like, beats me. Is this a CNC machine? No, I don't even know what that is. What is that, Ben? Here, take the mic. Here you go. (laughs) What's a CNC machine? I don't even. Oh, yeah. Okay, we'll talk about this. We'll talk about this later. Hey, welcome. Welcome to Reunion Church. Um, We've got some visitors fresh off honeymoons. We've got the Daggies are back, and the Tinocos are back as well. Welcome back, you guys. We have missed you guys. What an exciting summer it's been. Um, uh, and uh, weddings, we're not done yet. We're a couple weeks away from another one. You don't want to talk about it. You don't feel ready yet, do you? We're going to push back. Okay, well, we can't do that. I'm showing up August 10th to marry you, so I hope you're there as well. Um, well, good to see you guys. Um, grateful for you. Glad you're back. Um, as you've been um, aware, or if you're just tuning in with us, we've been spending the summer going through the fruit of the Spirit. And what feels a little bit strange, I'm like, oh, this is the last last Sunday of July, the second to last week of our fruit of the Spirit. So this is week eight. Um, and thinking, wow, most kids are going back to school in just a couple weeks. Summer is almost over, which is a little sad. Uh, it's gone quick. But that means pumpkin spice lattes are near. Um, for those of you that are into that sort of thing, myself included, I love pumpkin spice lattes. So, uh, grateful. Thank you for, thank you for bearing with us back here in the warehouse. Not in a sense of like, man, this is torture, but in the sense of, um, coolness. Um, we are in conversations with an HVAC company right now to hopefully get some vents in here, um, to help us out with some AC. So that will be good. So be, be praying for that. We're going to get a quote. Hopefully we can afford that. Um, and then that will be much cooler as we continue to meet here um, moving forward. We're going to meet here a little longer than we anticipated, which is a good thing. We love what God's doing here. We love the family that's being established and um, the togetherness that's happening. To worship and merge. What's happening here on Saturdays and Sundays has been a really great thing. So um, so if you want to um, uh, open up your Bibles, Galatians chapter 5, we're going to be kind of bouncing around a couple different different places this morning. Um, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and this is what Paul has to say. Um, in verses chapter chapter five, verse twenty two and twenty three, says, "But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. The law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, and let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another." And so what, what we're talking about is that, um, that these nine fruits, we call them these nine characteristics, is the type of, is the type of person that the Holy Spirit is forming. And so when we, when, we, when we say we're going to follow Jesus, Paul gives some tangible um, expression, gives some tangible characteristics to say, 
this is the kind of person that the Holy Spirit forms. And again, we've talked about, he's not shooting from the hip here, Paul isn't. He's not just rattling off nine different words that sound good. He's taking his cues from Jesus. He's looking at the life of Jesus and saying, these are characteristics that Jesus embodied. These are nine characteristics that Jesus lived into and and has shown us a new way to live. However, we can't do that on our own. We can have false joy or counterfeit joy or counterfeit love or whatever it may be, but actual fruit that that embodies, that actually does something in the world that changes the world um, comes from the Holy Spirit. So verses 22 and 23 as good as it gets for us. This is what our goal is. This is what it looks like. This is the kind of the target that Paul is setting out for us. And we know what sin is. We, we, we can look at the verses before this and look and see what the life um, um, away from the spirit looks like. Uh, but, but, but Paul is saying, hey, focus, focus here because this is, this is where when Jesus talked about full and abundant life, this is what he's talking about. And so, so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk about gentleness and lean into what that word is all about. And uh, uh, I think the English language, um, as we've been talking about and discovering, doesn't do justice to these words, I think. Like, um, English language can be quite frustrating. The more if you can study some Hebrew and Greek, you realize the power of those words, that when we read something in our English-translated Bible, we can kind of miss and, 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 and maybe even dumb down the strength and the power of these words, especially gentleness. And for example, anytime I mean, we've got three kids, we've got a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and a seven-month-old today, by the way, is West's seventh month alive, which is wild. He's virtually crawling now and, and walking and skipping and jumping and running and all those things. But what we're noticing with our two-year-old Rosie is that, that, that she um, is a bit rough <laughs> in, her, in her personality, uh, she, she doesn't, she doesn't know how to be gentle at all. Like gentleness for her is just a lost art at this point. And so anytime she's around West, our, our one-year-old, I always find myself saying, anybody that has kids knows you've told your kid this, be gentle, right? Whether you have dogs or a cat or whatever it is, you find yourself using this word over and over and over again, be gentle, whether they're playing with another kid on the playground or anything like that. But, but we say it with the most soothing voice, don't we too? Gentle, gentle. And what, what are we saying there? What am I saying there? I'm, I'm ultimately encouraging my child to be careful, right? Be cautious. Um, and, and when we use the word in that way, which my hunch is most of the time when we talk about gentleness, we're talking about actually being cautious or careful. That's actually a misinterpretation of the word um, and what, what, what Paul is actually getting to. Um, and and he, this is what the gentleness comes from the Greek word proutis, which is more accurately defined as the word humility. And so when I love how and we're going to spend our time in Philippians chapter two, so you can turn there now if you want to get a little head start on things. But I love the way that that Paul defines humility in, 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 in Philippians chapter two. Um, he, 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 he talks about um, humble life being someone who lives with consideration. So when he's talking about humility, and again, when Paul's talking about gentleness, he's talking about humility in the way that Paul goes to unpack what kind of life um, is when talking about as far as living a humble life. He's saying it's someone that is considerate. It's someone that lives with consideration. It's someone that, that notices the needs and is aware of what's going on around them at all times in the life of, of others and, and is somebody that puts those needs first. You see the, the, the difference here of what gentleness is, someone who lives with consideration. 
And so uh, I love about what Dallas Willard said in his book, The Allure of Gentleness. I read this book um, in college, and it's been something that I've always kind of drawn back to. If you're looking for a good book, obviously you can't go wrong with Dallas Willard. He's an amazing, amazing, amazing theologian. He said this. We'll have a quote for you on the screen. He says, The allure of gentleness, this beautiful model of life, is the foundation for making the most compelling argument for Christianity. One that will convince others that there is something special about Christianity and the Jesus we follow. And so what's he saying here? According to Willard, he's saying that gentleness is a characteristic that Jesus embodied here on earth. And he is making the argument that he believes gentleness is the most effective posture at pointing others to Jesus. Let's think about that for a second. Out of all the characteristics we've talked about, this theologian Dallas Red wrote an entire book just on gentleness and says, as we look at Jesus, this posture that we can live, a posture of consideration, is in fact the greatest witness that we can take to, take to the world to point to the reality of Jesus. Now, that, that to me is an idea worth sitting, sitting in. It's an idea worth unpacking. And so I want to define gentleness this way. Gentleness is living with a humble life through consideration. And now, the question that we ought to ask ourselves is, what does it mean to live with consideration? Right? We can just throw that word out. I'm not saying we don't understand what consideration means. I get we all understand what consideration means. But practically... From what scripture teaches, how can I live a considerate life? And so I want to throw four ideas out at you based out of Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to kind of do this differently as we comb through the first 15 verses in, in, in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to take it verse by verse here um, so we can fully understand what it is uh, that Paul is getting to as he defines a humble life through a life of consideration. And so let's, let's dive in. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1. This is what he says. If there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Now, I love, what's he saying here? I think Paul, Paul's getting to the back and saying, hey, consideration, we're going to unpack this more. You're going to hear this word pop up multiple times as we move forward. But he's saying consideration is about togetherness. Like, you know, what's happening here in this passage, he's, he's talking about, he's setting some stuff up that we're going to dive into. And he's saying, and if, you're, if you want to live with consideration, if you want to live with gentleness, proutis, then, then you have to understand that the people that are around you, whether they're people that are mean, grumpy, nice, people that fight, someone that you would rather not be around, you have to see people the way that God does. You have to see the image of God in every single person, because guess what? Every single person has made up the image of God. God's fingerprint is on all of us. Um, and some, some, some people, you have to look harder for that because your natural reaction might be, eh, you're awfully mean and grumpy and not very fun to be around. But I can assure you, somewhere deep down in that type of person, you will see the characteristic, you will see the image of God somewhere. And, 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 and the more I get to church plant, the more time I spend with a variety of people. Again, sometimes it's, you're quick to see that in somebody, but sometimes you're not. But I'm always motivated the fact that like we're all created in the image of God. That there is, that you display God just, just in who you are. And, and so when we can finally understand that about one another, what does that lead to? Paul tells us it leads to unification. It leads to togetherness. 
And, he, and he's, he's making the case. He goes on. He says, if any encouragement, if any love, if any mercy, you know, he's basically saying, hey, if we can't even get this right, everything I'm about to tell you in regards to a humble life is useless. So if, if, if we can't gather this, if we can't ever come down to this about togetherness of realizing, man, we're, we're all here together. Talked about this multiple times. The meaning of life is relationships. If we're trying to find the meaning of life in anything else other than relationship, we're going to have a hard time living a life of consideration. We're going to have a hard time living a life of, of gentleness. And so this may seem rudimentary to us, but I think the truth is that this idea of togetherness, this idea of, of, of looking and, and being curious to find the image of God in each and every person is revolutionary. Because very few people actually look at the world and see people the way that God does. My natural reaction is to see the bad before the good. I talked about this, I think, last week. Where I'm having to train and rewire my brain to see the good before the bad. To see the good before the evil. To see the love before the hate. And that's, that's the kind of perspective that the Holy Spirit forms. Right? We talk about greater the darkness, brighter the light. So wherever there's darkness, there is light. And as Jesus followers, we have to step into that, that together. So, um, Philippians, let's keep going. Let's look at verse. We'll be at, oh, we're going to stick to verse 3 and 4 here. Okay, I think I, I went a little too far on that. Verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as important than yourselves. Everyone should not only look out for his own interests, interests, but also for the interest of others. So what's, what's, what's he saying here? I think he's saying consideration. Krautis is a two-way street. I want you to notice quickly what, what, what Paul is not saying here. I think many people um, uh, would read this passage and think that the way of Jesus is solely built on self-forgetfulness, which I would say is a mistake to following Jesus. We can, we can misinterpret it, and I think for me, my own discipleship, and I have an inclination towards service, I have an inclination towards, like, you first. Um, and naturally, we can, we can live a life that, that is all about other people, but we neglect our own souls, right? And so I want to cautiously be careful for that, because this is actually not what Paul is saying here. He's saying there's more to that. Yes, he says, consider others more than yourselves, but in the same breath, he says, don't only which is huge, that's a huge two words. So when you take that consideration, don't only look out for yourself in your own interest, but also in the interest of others. And so Paul is saying, as a Christian, if we're going to live with consideration, if we're going to live with proutis, we have to understand that consideration is something for myself, and consideration is also something for the other. Which is important for us. I think it's an important word, because I, I, I know most of you in here, and, 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 and naturally, you're going to lead in one way. Naturally, you're either going to be someone that considers others before yourself, or you're going to naturally consider yourself before others, right? There's, you have a natural bent. You have a natural swing, a natural momentum that you go to. And so Paul is saying, he's waking us up to the idea to say, you've got to manage that tension. So whatever side you naturally go to, you have to tip the scale a little bit, find yourself in the middle because if you're only someone that considers others before yourself, you're no better off than the person that considers themselves before the other. It's just as toxic. It's just as harming for the world. Say, no, no, Jesus followers, 
gentleness is, is also for you to live in, but it's something to also give away. And so Paul is challenging us, like, what, 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 where, do you, where, do you, where do you naturally go to? Naturally. Are you more, okay, I got to take care of myself? Or are you, no, I got to look out for others. Some of us, again, are really great at putting others first, and some of us are really great at caring for our own souls. We just can't, we just can't hang out on one side, I guess, is what I would implore and encourage you to think about. So where do you fall on this scale? How do, you, how do you need to come to the middle? Because this is the challenge for you, is to tip that scale. Um, and and, and maybe, maybe you're here, and I don't want to neglect a third person here. Maybe you're here, and you're saying, I do both of those awfully. Like, I, I, I have a hard time caring for myself, and I, and I have a really hard time with, with caring for others. And so I don't want you to miss that and think that something's wrong with you in that. There's a call for all of us, Right? If, if you're there and you're like, I don't relate to either of those, I, I kind of just, I'm, I'm just mo- moving through life. I'm kind of just doing the thing and I'm neglecting my soul and I'm also neglecting others. I would encourage, I want to talk to you. I'd love to get coffee with you and talk and figure out how it could be. But you can just start somewhere. Like you can just start caring for yourself. Start there. Or you can just start serving. There, you can get started somewhere. So where are you at in that? Let's keep going. Verse five. And this is where, this is what Paul really wants to say. And I wish I could spend a lot of time here, but I don't, we don't have the time. But verse five, here we go. Considering all this, he says, adopt the same attitude of that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name above every name so that every name of Jesus on the knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God forever. So I, I wish, again, we had more time here because this, again, this is the meat of the passage. This is what, this is what Paul wanted to communicate. There's a lot I could say in here in these seven verses, but this is what I ultimately want to say. And this is the big picture of what's happening in this passage. Jesus considered his relationship with God to be less important than his relationship with you. We could even say that Jesus saw his citizenship in heaven to come secondary to his relationship with you. That is a big statement to make. By the way, that is a controversial statement to make. Many people might disagree with that. But I'm telling you right now, Jesus was in heaven He's God. He was sitting at the right hand of the Father. He looked down at humanity, you and me, and chose to come down to us. So he considered you, he considered his relationship with you to be more important than his relationship with the Father. And now, it doesn't mean that that was necessarily the way that his mindset was. It just speaks to the value of people. It just speaks to the value that Jesus sees in you to say, I'm okay with leaving the heavenly realms, I'm okay leaving the presence of God, and I'm actually going to go down and be with my people. Jesus, in that mindset, is considerate of us. He's considering you and me. He's considering the brokenness that we have, the fear that we have, the anxiety that we live with, the pain that we might live with. He's looking at the brokenness of the world and saying, I, I, I've got to choose this. This is where I want to be. My people, they, they, they need me. And so it was through his utmost consideration towards us. Jesus came down and what we're told in that moment 
is that God was glorified. Which brings us to our third point. Consideration is giving God glory. And ultimately, what's the posture that Jesus came down with? Servant. Right? He didn't come down and be like, I'm here. You know? He came down and took the form of poverty. He came and took the form of homelessness. And lived a life of servanthood. Demonstrating that service ultimately is the act of consideration. The best way that we can consider others and live a considerate life is through servanthood, right? And that's honest, that's what I love about this church. This has been the DNA of this church from the very beginning. This is why we're so serious about serving. I can't think of a better way to bring God glory, to live a considerate life than serving, right? Because serving brings God glory. Whether someone or not, it even acknowledges or has the ability, the awareness to say God about, see, see God in those situations. We know that when God's looking down, his name is being lifted up because Jesus came down and modeled servanthood. And so servanthood is always about bringing God glory in and through my life. This is what motivates us to start a family center um, when it could have been more wise to wait a couple years. But we're like, what are we waiting for? We know what God called us to in the city of Santa Ana. He called us to come and serve this city, to love this city, to join relationships with this city. What better way than to open up a family center and serve upwards of nearly 150 families on a rotated basis? When I, well, even when I came here yesterday, I'm just like, oh my God, to God be the glory in the most humble way possible. And that's what's happening. We're, I, there's nothing more that I would want for our community. There's nothing more that I would want for your life than to be motivated through service, not to make you feel good, not to check the box, not to be like, okay, I'm doing my thing now, but to enter into those processes. This is what makes coming to Saturday easy, if I can just tell you. I'm just plugging this, all right, for a second. That's what makes coming here easy, because I'm saying God's being glorified. It's not about me. God doesn't need me. This is about me bringing God glory. The way of Jesus, we must know this, is invitational. Jesus came to model, to invite us. And this is, this, is, this is one of the most compelling arguments for me and why I follow Jesus, is that Jesus has never asked me to do something he's never done himself. And so I'm not, just, I'm not just worshiping an abstract God, where I'm like, I think he would be happy with this. Jesus showed us how to live and then said, follow me. And so servanthood is important. And last but not least, let's go to verse 12. Therefore, I love, I love Paul. Therefore, like, okay, Paul, take it easy, buddy. After he said all that, therefore, my dear friends, just as if you always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without arguing so that you may be blameless and pure. Children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation. Among who, you who shine like stars in the world. And so Paul here is saying, last point, the consideration is a work in progress. Hear what he said? Work out your salvation. Work out your faith. And so he's saying, very simply, after he's talked about a humble life, living gentleness, living with proudness, this consideration of others, He's saying, you must understand that this won't come easy. 
Like this will be challenging. There is an easier way to live. There's not a better way to live, but this, there is an easier way to live. And this may not even be natural for you. And I think we need to be okay with that, first of all. Because we can't read passages like this and be like, well, I guess I just don't have a relationship with Jesus. He's saying, no, 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 no. The point of following me is to be someone who's, who's committed to growth. It's committed to seeing the weak spots in my life, in my heart, instead of being taken a backseat and pushing and drawing away from God, saying, no, no, be someone that draws in. Because the closer you get to me, the closer I'm going to show you things. The, the, the more my Holy Spirit's going to highlight places in your life that need growth. So be someone that's committed to the work of salvation. Be someone that's okay with being corrected. Be with someone that's okay with being rebuked. Be with someone that's okay with saying, yeah, I'm not perfect, but I'm just going to keep pushing forward. And so I think we need to give ourselves a little grace in the failures. We need to give ourselves a little grace when we mess up instead of beating ourselves up because life is so much more about so much more than results. And this is what Paul's getting to. Life is much more about commitment and doing the hard work to grow and mature. If our salvation is results-oriented, we're missing the point of life with Jesus, right? We're missing the joy. We're missing the easy burden that he speaks to. And so I think something that we all have in common is that our relationship with Jesus always has the potential to be better. And so Paul says, as you consider living a life of gentleness, and as you look to put others before yourself, know that there is potential to grow in every single moment and also be someone that's quick to ask for forgiveness. Because how can you consider that person of yourself if you spent a lifetime neglecting that person or, or, or looking over that person or writing over that person, right? He's like, hey, approach it this way. Approach it that you know that there's, there's work to be done. So Paul says, don't be grumpy. And I like this because going back to... Um, Skipping forward, if we had time, I'd, I'd, I'd go over to Philippians chapter 4, but we don't have time. You're welcome on that. But the reason why Paul's writing um, this letter to the Philippian church is because they had a problem with fighting with one another. Specifically, there was two women in the church that just couldn't stop fighting. Like, anytime they were together, there's two women that would just start fighting with each other. And by the way, they were leaders in the church. They were people that Paul spent time with. They were people that were preaching the gospel. And so Paul's saying, hey, your witness church is a life of humility. So you've got to stop fighting. You've got to stop. You've got to stop that kind of thing. What, how is that compelling to the world, right? Being grumpy, fighting with, with each other is just bad for business, Paul is saying. You know, and I think, and he, then he says this in, in Philippians 4, verse 5. Sum up everything. He just says, let your gentleness be, be evident to all. I love that. He's using the word gentle, and he's using the word evidence in one sentence. You know what he's saying? Is that your gentleness is evidence of your relationship with Jesus. So he's saying, let the gentleness in you be evident to every single person that you come into contact with. Because naturally, our tendency with one another could be to fight, could be to gossip, to be could be to complain, and, and I, that's why I, I think this message is so important to the church today. Because we talk about gentleness being evident to all. Would you would you say that the church as a whole, globally, is known for being gentle? No, the answer is no. We're known for being judgmental. We're we're known for being closed-minded. We're known to be condescending, even maybe racist, sadly. 
And so Paul's saying, no, no, gentleness is the virtue that the church should exude to the world. If the Jesus followers spend their time being grumpy, disgruntled, gossiping, and tearing each other's down, why in the world would anybody want to be a part of that? And this, this to me, a lack of gentleness, I think is one of the biggest problems the church has. Not this church, the church, right? It's in fact, I think the church should be the most irresistible community in the world, but in fact, we become the most resistible because of the lack of gentleness that is present. And so for me, as, as a church plant, we, we, have, we have the grace and we have the favor and um, just the newness to say, that won't be our story. That won't be our reputation. We will never be known as a church that's judgmental. We will not be known as the grumpy church. We will not be known as the conceited church or the church that gossips about people. Regardless of what people say about us, we will be a church that we let our gentleness be evident through a life of consideration. Are you with me? Are you committed to the cause? Thank you. Thank you. This is what fires me up. This is what I think can make a difference. If, I, if we can just have be on the same page as we're talking about togetherness here, if, if we can all just make it a common goal from this point forward to say, we're just going to let our gentleness be evidence at all. That is our purpose. That is our goal. Everything else will fall into path. Gentleness gets neglected in the fruits of the Spirit. Can I just tell you that? I was telling pre-service, I'm like, everyone likes to focus on the big three, the love, joy, and the peace. You know, we kind of just move past all these other ones where I'm like, this might be, this might be the most powerful word for us to lean into and to be challenged by. So the band is, the band is going to just play a song um, over us. It's a new song. Um, and what I want to invite you to do, um, first of all, I think there's some creativity to be done our minds are all creative um, we all have the ability to dream and to allow those dreams of what the church is supposed to be to actually begin to pray into that how, how might God want to use you how, how might your gentleness be evident to all wherever you go this week that's the first piece but but we need God's help we need the whole with we cannot be gentle without the Holy Spirit we need the Holy Spirit's help we can't do it on our own strength right and so I want to invite you as the band is just going to sing a song over you. Just to begin to pray that your gentleness will be evident to those you come into contact with. This just, just by living in the Spirit. Just by viewing people through the image of God and living a life that considers others. Not to neglect your soul, but to be a gentle spirit, to have a gentle presence in the world. Okay? Let me pray for you and, and they'll sing. Jesus, we thank you that you've shown us the way. We thank you that um, we don't have to live um, this faith, not really sure of, of what it is that you've called us to, but you've, you've, you've shown us the perfect way. Not only have you shown us, but you left us your spirit to help us. And so in this mor- morning, Lord, I pray that our gentleness would be evidence all. That, that the, the hour and 15 minutes that we spent here together this morning is more than enough time to write our hearts and our minds towards you. That, that what happens here can, can play dividends into this week. And so we need your help. We need your help. Would you, would, you, would you pour out your love? God, would you pour out grace? Would you mercy? Would 
you give us eyes in this moment and ears to hear you? And that our desire in life would be to bring you forward. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.